0: Excellent. So we're talking about communicating and communicating for the better. We really do believe as a congregation that we want to be a people that communicate well. I mean, we don't like it when fights happen at home. We don't. It's not our favorite thing. Nobody wakes up in the morning and goes, I really hope I could get into a good fight with a family member today. You know, it's not really a goal. And then it happens. And I've watched enough, you know, Family stuff and 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 social media to know that when it happens all of a sudden now We feel all of that shame and guilt and we're like, oh, man, I feel bad. I didn't want to have a fight I didn't want to get into that but then here's our reality We end up fighting and we're and we're squabbling and we're smashing our head against the uh, no that I don't think that's ever happened uh, About uh, I don't know whatever but it's uh, it's something that that we really need to engage with how do we deal with? conflict how do we deal with, with the reality that not everything goes my way? I mean, that's just, a, that's just a reality that happens in my life. Maybe I'm just unlucky or maybe I'm exactly like you where not everything goes my way and I don't like it and I get into conflict. And how am I going to communicate through the conflict in a way that the relationships are not... Burned the way the relationships are not just completely tossed aside and and they're severed forever and you're just like Oh my goodness that just wrecked it, you know Um, This is a really important conversation for us to be having in a day and age where We're being ripped apart and polarized in so many different ways We're seeing the effects of social media and opinions and short bursts that aren't actually being helpful And so this is, uh, it's a really big deal for us. And so what we're going to do is we're actually going to look into the scriptures today. We're going to find some conflict um, in in the church. And we're going to talk about uh, really important things about using our own, uh, in our own life. Uh, I have a book here. That I believe is linked inside of the uh, the portal. This is a good reading for anybody who Wants to deal with conflict. It's called crucial conversations um, And I believe that that it there's a link for it in the portal. I'm bringing out a couple of things on that <coughs> and uh, And so I'm gonna pull a little bit out a little bit of the wisdom out of this book um, Done out of studies on how to deal with with conflict conflict conversations so let's uh let's just read the beginning of our text it's Galatians 2 um, 11 to 14 um here we go but when Caiaphas came to Antioch I opposed him to his face because he stood condemned wow okay for before, a, before certain men came from James, he was eating with the Gentiles. But when they came, he drew back from the Gentiles and separated himself, fearing the circumcision party. And the rest of the Jews acted hypocritically along with him, so that even Barnabas was led astray by their hypocrisy." But when I saw their, their conduct was not in step with the truth of the gospel, I said to Caiaphas, Caiaphas before them all, if you, though a Jew, live like a Gentile and not like a Jew, how can you force the Gentiles to live like Jews? We're getting into Paul's conflict. And, uh, and so that is really important. Um, Paul's conflict... You know, when, when we read the Bible, we have to understand that it's not always clean. It's not always just this perfect little example of this, of this harmonious world where everything is just perfect and we just leave that, you know, leave it aside. We have to understand that the Bible is written in a time where things aren't neat. They're not clean. You know, there's a there's a part of us that says, if if well I've been around the church a long time and, uh, and and I've heard the whole narrative that says, if only we could get back to the church like it was in the first century, if only we could get back to the church of Acts. That's the ideal. That right there, here's the pinnacle of the best moments of the church. Um, and, and the reality is, the reality is, is it, it wouldn't actually be that nice. It wouldn't be that nice to get back to the Church of Acts, and and what we have is we have a whole book of the Bible that's written over a whole period of time. It's about a history of a church, taking the, the sensational moments of the church that happened throughout the entire Mediterranean area, and we're putting it into one book. And then we're saying, well, that's the church. Well, we're, what we're doing is we're idealizing something. Um, we're idealizing something. And what we're, what we're glossing over is some of the conflict. See, this was a time of discontinuity. Um, if you have any uh, comments about what's happening today, about our message, then I just want to remind you that you've got the tablet. And on today's message at the bottom of that pink screen, you can actually put in a, uh, a question or a comment that we'll get to at the end. So there's discontinuity in the early church It's a time when everything is changing and we're gonna get into what that conflict actually looks like We're gonna we're gonna dive into that conflict a little so that we can understand our own conflict and how we're dealing with it You know that first century church is it's it was hard-fought people died over this Like oh, I wish we could get back to church where people would just die like no, we didn't. We didn't. That, that's a silly comment. We don't actually want that. What we're saying is that there's something happening inside inside the first century church that was amazing, you know. But it's not something that I want to relive. Really, I mean, some of the highlights, yes, but the lowlights were were low. Paul paid the price of what happened in the first century church with his own freedom. This is the level of conflict that we're dealing with. Paul's freedom was. Thrown into jeopardy Paul went into jail because of this uh, Because of this conflict and this is a very confusing time So I'm gonna unpack the time a little bit um, right here. We've, we've got the 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 Jewish setting and uh, and so Every sect of Judaism was going well. It, it really was things were things were really good because in a, in a way So they had established what they were going to look like and we're talking about, you know, 150 years after the Hasmonean Revolt. So Jews had pushed off their foreign oppressors and they had earned the right to live in their own place and mostly the Romans let them live in their own place to just continue on the peace. It was kind of a false peace that was happening, but they were content and they had four basic, uh, oh, they held each other responsible for the exile. And what they did is they were asking a really big question. They were saying, how do I get back to God? And there were four ways in which they thought that they were going to get back to God. They thought that they were going to get back to God. Uh, one group said they were going to get back to God by separating themselves from everything in the world. This is how we're going to deal with all the conflict. This is how we're going to deal with what's wrong. We're going to separate ourselves. And we're going to say that, that we are going to um, we're gonna pull away. And that group was called the Essenes. Another group said, no, we're not going to separate ourselves from the world. We're going to join in with the political powers, and we're going to protect the establishment that we have. We have it good right now. We've got good governance. Everything is peaceful. We don't want to rock the boat. That group of people is called the Sadducees. Then we've got the group of people that's like, no, Israel needs to be made back to what it was and God's covenant says that, says that if we obey the law, then God is going to come back and he's going to fix everything and we're going to be established. So we're going to obey the law at all costs So we're going to make everybody else obey the law. That group was called the Pharisees. And we have a fourth group that's the, that's the group of people who said, God wants to establish Israel, but God established Israel first at the edge of the sword with David's conquest And so we're gonna pick up our sword and we're gonna fight off Rome and they were called the zealots So we have four major groups that are pretty well established inside the Jewish community that Paul is talking to Okay, that's that's kind of cool. And that's the way that Judaism was working at that time It's very well documented that that's what's happening but then what happens, and this is where we get to the conflict, is we have a new group that emerged after Jesus' death and resurrection. The group claimed a few really important things. Um, they, they, they started getting called the way. They claimed some important things. Um, that God initiated his eternal reign. God initiated his eternal reign. The kingdom of David which was the pinnacle, the best moment of all of Israel's history. The kingdom of David had been restored in the person of Jesus. Jesus is Lord of the kingdom. And four, everybody's invited in. Oh, wait a second. That's going to cause some conflict right here. Everybody is invited in. This isn't a national clause. This isn't something that says, oh, yeah, we're, we're good. No, Everybody is invited in and what we have here is we have Paul who is the leader of this new group called the way Or the apparent leader of this new group. Who's who's called the way is in? Conflict with all of these other four groups because all of these other four groups are like no, this is a Jewish thing You got to become Jewish and the ways like, no no no, this is a Jesus thing, and you have to follow Jesus. And they're and they're and they're breaking something massive. Like they're doing they're doing a multicultural ethnic church before a multicultural ethnic church was cool. Like these guys are breaking the boundaries and they're saying, Nope, Jesus calls everybody. Oh. All right. So now we have Conflict now. We've got real conflict. What does that mean? Who's supposed to be in? Who's supposed to be in this kingdom? Who's good enough whose behavior lines up well enough? What are you expected to do afterwards and and how do we how do we make sure that you're doing it and you know You're separate and and whatever you've done enough to please God. How are we doing all of this? and this is the conflict I mean, this doesn't sound like my conflict where, you know, I'm, uh, I'm fighting with my wife because I was an idiot this morning. This is real, big, huge conflict. This is church in the book of Acts. This is what's happening. And so if we go back to our text, we, we saw that um, we saw that, okay, so, so uh, Caphas came to, to Antioch and opposed him. And and Paul opposed him because he stood condemned. What's happening here is is Caphas, who's actually Peter. Paul is so angry at Peter, he doesn't use his Christian name. He's using his birth name. He's saying, that name that Jesus gave you, Peter, upon this church I will build, or upon this rock I will build my church. Paul is taking it away from him in the writing and saying, No, you're getting your your, your name your mom gave you. And and so this is that's a huge slam against Peter right there And so before certain men came from James James is the head of the Jewish church in Jerusalem That's who James is the brother of Jesus the head of the Jewish church in Jerusalem and they're eating with the Gentiles so Peter would be eating with the Gentiles, which is Oh, you're all included Jesus for everybody yeah you're in you're in and all of a sudden people from the church in Jerusalem come and Peter separates himself out and says "Oh, you guys aren't in as much as you know these guys are really the ones in and you guys you have to sit at the foot of the table or you're not even allowed to be here now we got real conflict happening and so how does Paul deal with this conflict well, when I saw, you see verse 14, when I saw the, that their contact was not in step with the truth of the gospel, I said to Caiaphas before them all, if you, though, like a Jew, live like a Gentile, and not like a Jew, how can you force the Gentiles to live like Jews? We ourselves are Jews justified by birth and not Gentile sinners. And, and you see that, that Paul just goes on. He goes on, yet we know that a person's not justified by works of the law, but by faith in Jesus Christ. So we also have believed in Jesus Christ. In order to be justified by faith in Christ and not by works of the law, because by works of the law, nobody's going to be justified. Guys, you can't just separate out and say, no. What he's saying is we're just going to go and we are going to to be justified by Jesus only, which means, Peter, you need to be addressing the way you're acting and eat with the people you were eating with before. You can't, you can't bend away. So what's he doing? He is confronting the issue. But in our, but if in our endeavor to be justified in Christ, we too are found sinners, is Christ then a servant of sin? Certainly not. And so we, we continue on uh, he continues his argument, and then, and then he, he gets to this. He goes, I don't nullify the grace of God, for if righteousness were through the law, then Christ died for no purpose. If righteousness was about who you sat with for dinner, about your, about your birth heritage, then Christ died for no purpose. But righteousness is bigger than that. And he says, "Oh, foolish Galatians, who's bewitched you? was it before your eyes that Jesus was publicly, wasn't it before your eyes that Jesus was publicly portrayed as crucified? Peter's, Peter and Paul's conflict is personal. I mean, how would you like it if uh, if someone in the church were to come up to you and say, "Yo, you're being a hypocrite. Stop it, in front of everybody. You're being a hypocrite." You know, I, I could I could I could imagine just pulling out somebody from the church and just being like, "Oh, come up here. Come up here a second. You need to stop being a hypocrite," and and then just throwing down a whole bunch of like theology. That's a pretty intense thing. This is personal. Peter and Paul—they'd work together to include the Gentiles, and then and then Paul addresses the conflict head-on. Have you ever—and this is where I'm going to bring it into our own life. Um, we we've got to bring it into our own life because it matters. So, have you ever gotten to a point where, you know, your your friend—you you got a coworker—and stuff's not going right at work, okay? You're in this coworker situation and stuff's not going right. Something in middle management is just off. And so what you do is you get together with your coworker and you say, we're going to go and talk to our supervisor, or our manager. We're going to go into the office and we're going to address this issue and we're going to just get it dealt with, right? We're going we're to get this settled once and for all. We're going to make it right because we know what's wrong. This happens all the time. But then this happens as well. You walk in with your coworker. And you start talking, and as soon as your manager starts to rebut you, your coworker folds like a cheap suit. Right? Your your coworker's just like, I don't know, maybe this has never happened to you, maybe you could just imagine it, but I know it, it has happened to me. You know, your coworker just just folds like a cheap suit, starts agreeing with the manager, and you're like, oh, you just totally threw me under the bus there. You totally backed down, you threw me under the bus, that's not okay. What that conversation with my coworker is gonna look like afterwards is a conversation of conflict. It's a conversation saying, There's a problem here. We were on the same page going in, and then you backed out. There's a conflict that's happening here, there's something wrong. And and this is what's going on. So Paul's Paul's conflict was um was definitely. You know, he kind of felt this happening with Peter. Peter's folding like a cheap suit. So we got this practical way of dealing with conflict. Conflict can't be avoided, but it doesn't have to be a disaster. Conflict can't be avoided. If you're around people, the only way to avoid conflict all the time is to isolate yourself from people, to cut off your relationships. You could avoid some pretty good conflict that way. But as long as you're around people, then you're going to have conflict. But it can you can avoid disaster in your conflict. So the word dialogue. Dialogue means the free flowing, the free flow of meaning between two or more people. It's the free flow of meaning between two or more people. It is not the free flow of words, but the free flow of meaning. And that's a really big deal. Because the, the fluid meaning travels back and forth. And so conflicts can be resolved by taking the time to communicate meaning. When we get to a point where we are starting to listen enough to understand where the conflict is, we can start to communicate real meaning. So in communication, we have a communication breakdown chart and this is this is something that is really important for us maybe you've heard it before but maybe you haven't this is something that's really important for us to consider when we're in our families because we need to be communicating through meaning because we have to find what's really going on we actually need to understand this communication and there's so much more as I said this 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 book Crucial conversation is really helpful but this is this is just a, a little a little taste. In Communication Breakdown, there's what I think I want to say. What I did in the beginning part of this message is I showed you the way that Paul has understood his setting. And he's understood exactly what he wants to say. So the first part of communication is what I think I want to say. I need to make sure that I can process my complaint well enough to know that I've gotten to to the root of my complaint, that, I, that I'm not just saying, hey, you know, I don't like the fact that you're keeping, up, keeping me up at night b- because you're snoring. What you're really complaining about might be something deeper than just that. You might be complaining about a symptom. You need, to, you need to determine whether you're complaining about a symptom or whether you're complaining about a cause. So this takes you time. The first thing about the free flow of meaning is you need to take the time to understand what your complaint truly is and what the source of your complaint is. Um, It starts with the heart. You really need to ask yourself, here's a good question. What do I really want to see happen here? Get right into the heart of the matter. What do I really want to see happen here? What matters? And refuse, oh this is really good, refuse the fool's choice. The fool's choice is when you get emotional in a situation and you start to say it's either going to look like this or it's going to look like this. It's either going to go your way or it's going to go my way. This is a fool's choice because you haven't processed the, the conflict enough to a point where you're able to see the validity on the other side. You're not there yet. And so you're stuck making a fool's choice instead of understanding that there's a whole plethora of options around you. And you start limiting your options you start limiting and making it black and white, right and wrong, my way and your way. You need to, you need to work to eliminate that and, and get to the and. Get to not but or or, but you get to and. So the next part of this communication breakdown is what I actually said. These are The actual words that came out of your mouth when you're in that crucial conversation, when you're communicating something that's really important. These are the words that are so important because all of your words really matter in conflict. Man, when we allow our anger to run our mouth when we're in conflict, we do a ton of damage. We do a ton of damage because our communication comes out. We have what we think we want to say and then anger clouds us and the words that come out of our mouth are a fire, James says. They are a fire and they burn and they cause not good type of destruction. And So these are really important words the words you actually say watch your words The Bible says out of the overflow of the heart the mouth speaks get your heart Overflowing with God's perspective. I don't care if you do that in worship music or if you do that in the Bible get your heart Overflowing what you actually say matters in your communication. The next step is In the breakdown is what they actually heard Not one person in this room is gonna remember every single word. I said in this message you're going to remember select parts. Those select parts you're going to apply to your own life. But I said lots of things in this message. The communication breakdown is what you heard. What you heard isn't what came in your ears, but what went into your mind and you remembered. I remember that you said that I was supposed to pick up milk, but I did not remember that you said that I was also supposed to take out the garbage. That is a communication breakdown. That's a communication breakdown. In, in this part, what the person actually heard. There needs to be grace to understand that a person doesn't remember 100% of the things said to them. Allow for the space. I'm, I'm, a, I'm not preaching. It's good. We're good. We're good. It's fine. So what you actually heard is really, that's a community, what they actually heard. And then what they think it means This is huge for communication. We need to understand that what I said is going to be remembered and then is going to be translated. It doesn't matter that what I said was what I meant. What matters is that dialogue is a free flow of meaning, not words. It's a free flow of meaning. What we have to do if we want to communicate better is we need to listen to, what did you just hear? What did you just hear when I said that? What did that mean to you? Because when we can start to understand what the other person heard, oh my gosh, I I did this once. And I I got in a conversation and I was in this discussion and I was on fire. I was ready. And I'm just, I got all my logic laid out and blah, 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 blah. And and I stopped and I said, what did you just hear? And the person came back and they said, I heard that you're telling me that I need to do more than I can do. I heard that you're telling me that there's no way that this is ever going to resolve. I heard a lot of things that I didn't communicate with my words. But they heard it. They internalized it. They were like, that's what you mean by this. You mean that I'm not doing a good enough job and that I need to do better. Oh, that's not what I really meant. That's not what I really meant. No, no, no. Pull that back a little bit. Pull that back a little bit. I meant to say this. Oh, You start to see the conflict start to become diffused, because when we've taken the time to listen to what somebody else thinks what I said means, we start to understand that there's a breakdown even in the interpretation. Strong dialogue. Strong dialogue is the exchange of meaning not just the exchange of words we really got to take the time so much of this is really taken down into how do we dialogue for meaning and a key element of our strong dialogue a key element is a lot of grace and a lot of time remembering these four things what i think i want to say what i actually said the words that they heard, that they remembered, and their interpretation, what they thought it means, all are elements where the breakdown of communication happens. When we can evaluate these, we will find that our problems that we're communicating about are able to be understood. We're able to walk through and communicate better, but it's gonna take a slower conversation. You might not resolve it in one day it's a slower conversation where you're just like, okay, I don't think I'm understanding what's going on here. I don't think I'm understanding your meaning right now. Can you help me understand? Can we work on this together? Can we get on the same side of the problem that we're, co- that we're in conflict about? And these are simple ways that we can start to ask better questions so that we can make our, our conflicts, which will happen, we can make our conflicts into... Something that really matters (laughs) So I'm just checking text messages here and uh, And and we've got a We got a a good a good one here. Um, I'm having flashbacks to premarital counseling with Robin Val Um, That's a lot of fun. So this is this is a big thing that we do a lot of in uh, in in premarital counseling, but also in all forms of counseling because because this matters it's really about cal- uh, it's really about understanding these moments where where we're like okay how are we communicating these things and so as we do this i'm gonna i'm just gonna end with one story alia is two years old that was a long time ago but uh, alia is two years old and uh oh hi i didn't even notice that you were in here hey you i um, sorry um so alia is two and i don't even think she's gonna remember this story because it's bedtime, and, and she was crying a lot, more than a two-year-old should in my little brain. And, uh, and she's crying and crying, and, and I am, you know, Valerie and I, we've got a good communication thing going. We actually, we can do a lot of this process a lot of the times. We can help our, our conflict not be disasters. I didn't know that it was different when you're dealing with a two-year-old man, I'm just getting ramped up. And I saw myself, one of these like out-of-body experiences kind of thing, and I can kind of see myself and my overtired two-year-old who just needs to go to bed. And I see myself, and I am completely red, and my mouth is wide open, and the volume of the words coming out of my mouth were able to be heard by the people across the street. I swear it. You need to listen right now. You need to get into bed. And she's just like, I can't do anything. And she's like, and I'm, and I had this moment where I'm looking at this situation and I'm like, just stop. Just, just stop. I, and, and I was, graciously, I was able to pick her up and I just dropped her into bed and she's crying and I just leave the room and I was like, oh, I'm so mad. And I go downstairs and I was like, I have no idea how to communicate to my daughter. I have no idea how to do this. And I mean, Aliyah's our firstborn. I had no experience with this before. She'd only just learned how to talk. And uh, she didn't do anything wrong, but I had no idea how to communicate. And what we've learned now is, is that we're able to, to understand and not allow the emotion of like, oh, I'm so angry, to step in. And so anger has its place because it shows us something's wrong but anger's place is not in placing my words and so i'm going to uh i'm going to i'm going to end today um someone says i would love to get a recording of this communication breakdown it's brilliant it's not all mine um some of it you'll find in crucial conversations but our sermons are uh our sermons are put onto the podcast on promisechurch.ca, and you can you can pull that and listen to it again, um, and that'll be there for you. So let me pray, and I'm going to invite uh, Devin and the team to come up. God, we know that we all face conflict because we live in community. We know that just because we're Christian doesn't mean we avoid conflict or that conflict doesn't happen. We know that it does happen. And so Jesus Because it happens, we ask you to help us understand how to actually work inside of the conflict so it's not a disaster. Mostly, we ask you for your grace to guide us through. Mostly, we ask you to come in and work in our hearts and change us so that we can express love in the conflict. And then we also ask you to give us the wisdom to slow our conversations down, understand these four areas where, com- where communication breaks down, and help us be people who are ready and willing to listen to you, to listen to each other, and to just truly communicate better. We saw how Paul communicates to Peter, and, and, and we know that their relationship continued on afterwards. And so we pray that when we experience conflict as a church, when we experience conflict in our families, that you would be there filling the meaning in the words that we use to bring us into unity. We pray all of this in Jesus' name. Amen.